Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. I'd grown up in church. My parents hosted life group in our home and we talked about our faith. We talked about God. And so even in that moment, though, in that storm that really blew in, uh, I reached out to God and I would talk to him. And I think it began as childlike faith, but it just grew to so much more. Stories stir the soul. Stories reveal. And stories heal. In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough. Real people, real stories with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach and Todd as a men's mentor, we've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm Wendy Pett. I'm Todd Isberner. Yes, and this podcast is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be found on the Edify app, and it's also found on KHCB out of Houston radio station. Yeah, and if you like what you hear, hope you'll share it with others, too. Yes, please do. So, Wendy, uh, let me ask you something. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think you operate uh, every day in a really efficient way? Um. I'm not really sure what you mean you're, by that. You're pausing Except, quite a while before well, you answer that. I mean, I am a woman, and we're kind of wired to multitask True. to get things accomplished, right? But wait, wait, maybe you're more of a woman than I am because Excuse you me. are a master at multitasking. Well, that is true. But which aren't we supposed to be having like laser focus for real efficiency? Uh, <laughs> yes, and uh, but I admit I do. I I multitask a lot because. <laughs> I think it's being more efficient. At least that's the pep talk I give myself. Right. right? I think I'm being like, okay, you're going to get more done if you can just multitask. So right. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not that efficient. You've got me thinking now. Well, being efficient is ideal and having a breakthrough in this efficiency game is ideal. Uh, and I think it's what many people strive to accomplish. Yeah. And our guest today is a serious Aficionado. Yes, you heard that right. And effic- is that in the diction? I've never heard that. Word. Uh, yeah, well, we'll it's find an efficiency. Out if, that's, if that's legitimate or not, <laughs> it's an efficiency enthusiast. Candace Coffer is a seven thirty a.m. grocery shopper, two p.m. marathon napper, ten p.m. office watcher. Oh, we love the office too. She's learning how to slow down and to be present and thankful that she is a work in progress. Candace is a lover of puns and family because both provide unexpected laughter. She's a chaser of creativity, adventure, and the perfect chocolate chip cookie. She's a wannabe gardener without a green thumb and a kindergarten teacher at heart. Candace is redeemed, she's forgiven, and she's a beloved child of God. 
As the founder of the Good Day Ministry, she's very passionate about Jesus and people, inspiring others to grow in their knowledge and love for Jesus and experience God in the ordinary happenings of their days. Now, if you want to know more about Candace, just listen to her podcast. It's called The Good Day Podcast, or read her blog, or you can find her on social media. But yeah, that's what we want to talk about today. How do we become efficient? Come on in, Candace. Welcome to your biggest breakthrough. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. I love your bio. <laughs> I want I want an explanation for that word. You know, well, I am. I'm just efficient to the core. And I had a friend, a really good friend. She was in an interview and her boss was asking her like, okay, between, if I were to ask your best friend, why I should hire you, what would they say? And she'd say, well, she wouldn't, you wouldn't hire me. You'd hire her. She's so efficient. (laughs) Okay. We're just all a little jealous. That's what we are. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, it's something I'm actually working through um, because sometimes your strength can be your biggest weakness too. Mm. And so, you know, it's something that it works really well in work. And I can get things done. I'm a taskmaster, run through things, help everyone stay on task. But you're hired. Oh, wait, (laughs) this isn't a job interview. Okay, wait. (laughs) But it's not always what I'm learning is those things that help me be good at work are not always great in relationships, especially in relationship with the Lord. You know, it's not not to be completed. It's, you know, learning how to be present, learning to slow down and be sensitive to His presence, you know, in my midst. And so, you know, that's really the journey that I've been on. And like you said, the good day, that's what it's all about. And I started a blog and then it grew into a podcast and, you know, we'll get more into that. But really the purpose is slowing down. And rather than how I would measure a day before, you know, at the end of a work day, you'd say, was today good? And I'd really be thinking through how productive I was, um, you know, how many problems I solved, all these things. And then it's like, wait, what if I stopped measuring the day by productivity and I started measuring it by the strength I found, the joy, the peace, and then learning to rest in his goodness and his provision for the day. And so that's the journey I've been on. And it's been really cool to invite people along, how it's impacting them too. Mm, 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 mm. Drop the mic on that one. That's all I need. <laughs> so I'm good. That. I, but I, I you can relate personally to really am. <laughs> Anxious to hear more about that because I think we tend to lift efficiency up almost in, in some ways like a little bit of an idol. Yeah, uh, it, starts to, it starts to rule your life. So let's go back to the beginning. Um, and I'm because I'm asking you this because I'm I have never really thought about this in my own life. Like, where did this efficiency thing start? Did I did I see it modeled with my parents? Did I read a book about it? Did God just wire me the for, for, you, for you? What was the beginning stages of knowing that you were very efficient? I mean, really, I think it was just, I'm very driven um, to be the best. And I think even just in school, I mean, it, for me, I can see it all go all the way back to third grade, you know, multiplication tests. Like I struggled with those, like you do time tests. And then if you get the time test, then you get the monster cookie from the teacher, you know, if you get it in the right time. And so wanted that and all my friends got it and I didn't. And so, you know, there was something in me that was like, I need to prove myself. You know, that was really the root of it, but I didn't realize it at the time. And so then going forward, you know, even just from a young age, like fourth grade on, I never made another B. Um, you know, I was always just driving to be the best and like searching for excellence. And I do believe that that's important. Um, and whatever I do, I want to pour my heart into it. I want to be the best I can be. But really understanding 
what is my motivation for it? You know, and um, I've seen that in work too. You know, I've always, for whatever reason, like I've had to work harder um, than other people, you know, and now I'm thankful for it. But um, there was always this element of proving myself, just realizing that God, like with my relationship with him, I have nothing to prove. Like he loves me where I am. And so really settling into his grace and, um, we want to talk more about so that good. because so isn't there, don't you think, it's sort of like Pavlov's dog, the, the whole efficiency trip, because it's like stimulus reward. And, and the stimulus is I, I got to prove myself and I got to do well, but then I get a reward from that. Well, she wanted the big cookie well, in third it. grade. Exactly. It all started with that cookie. <laughs> so what's, yeah, what, <laughs> yeah, well, obviously there were, there, were, uh, there were substitutions for the monster cookie along the way, but don't you, don't you find that people who are driven like that, uh, continue to go that direction because somewhere there's a reward in it. Well, and even now the reward for me being efficient, why do I grocery shop at seven 30 in the morning? It's because I want to get everything done while no one's there so I can get more done during my day. And then I can take the two o'clock nap. Like that is my reward. It's so, yeah, it's definitely a reward driven. That is fascinating, honestly. And and being efficient isn't, it doesn't have to have a, a, a grip on you because you can be so type A about being efficient yeah. that that becomes maybe a stronghold and mm-hmm. and even an idol within itself. So there's definitely a, a balance of it all uh, and having a, a, a breakthrough of not having that own you. But also, um, I know that being efficient and how you are taking those baby steps in obedience with the Lord is important. And, and that's kind of a big piece of the puzzle and part of your breakthrough. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, for me, uh, it really just, it's this journey of being sensitive um, to the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes maybe listeners can identify when we first heard that term, Holy Spirit, I think our mind races to, you know, try to make sense of it. And so we may think of, candles and vibes and yoga mats and ohms, you know, trying to make sense of it. But in my experience, it's been nothing like that. Instead, it's been these very small but powerful inklings, you know, these nudges that just grip my attention and kind of guide me. And, and, you know, it's cool to look back and reflect back and see how God was leading me and preparing me for this journey when I didn't even know it. And so one of the big breakthrough moments for me was actually years before, before I even thought about writing or podcasting, none of that was even on my radar at all. And it was, you know, praying about word for the year, being the type A and start of the year, I used to always like have a million things I'm going to do better myself, you know, I'm going to cut out sugar, I'm going to run more, drink more water, I'm going to read more, all these things, you know. And <laughs> it's the like, all or nothing, yeah. Yes, and then, you know, a week into it, I'm lucky if I'm still doing one of them. <laughs> so, so, and then by the time I've, like, cut out sugar for five days, I need a reward. <laughs> like, you need that big reward. cookie again. So, yes, <laughs> so it just never worked. And so I started just really leaning into one word. And that I could hold on to for the year. And when I was praying about it, the word that was just impressed upon my heart was authentic. And, and, you know, I really valued the friendships that I had that were authentic and that I could really count on them and realize that not everyone had that. And I wanted to be that person in people's lives. Mm. And, but I was very quiet, you know, more reserved. Like I would always pour into people, but, you know, only a handful really knew what I was going through. 
And a couple of weeks in, can I put a pin in that just really quick? Since you were always pouring into others and they weren't really pouring into you, um, I have to ask you, is it because you were, didn't allow people to get too close to you and fear of something or was it, um, I don't know. I'm just curious about that. Is it a, maybe not able to receive? Really? It's just being more of a private person. Okay. You know, and I would keep like the ones who knew who were really close to me, they knew me very well. Yeah. But I didn't, gotcha. all, I didn't let everyone, I wasn't the sure. open book that people talk about, you yeah. know? I mean, yeah. you got to know me. I'm going to, I'm more of the marble. I'm going to give you one marble at a time. If you, if I can, if you can trust, if I can trust you with that, you get another marble. You gotcha. Know, yeah. Mentality. But yeah. Um, that's how I've just always naturally been. And a couple of weeks into this word and this journey of being authentic, I got my first test, you know, I had a friend that was just called me, uh, had heard about a job opportunity for the company I worked for, wanted to learn more about it. And, you know, so we talked mostly about that. And then at the very end, he was like, oh, yeah, I forgot to ask, how are you today? And I just wanted to just dismiss it. Um, and I just like, oh, I'm good and just try to move on. And then I hung up the phone, didn't think a whole lot of it. And then just this weight came upon me of, are you going to be authentic or not? Mm-hmm. Because truth was that I wasn't good. And I was walking through some really hard things um, with someone I loved and just helping carry that burden. And it was really tough. And so I thought, well, you know, that's right. I committed to be authentic. And so I called my friend back up and said, so, you know, it's not your burden bear, but I'm just trying to be more authentic. And I just wanted to let you know that not everything is good right now. Um, It's actually very hard. And just through, you know, how a friend can support offers them some support there and then um, moved on. But that was really my first test. And so it was just this journey of being authentic. And then all these baby steps of obedience that you don't necessarily even think obedience. I wouldn't have looked back on that and said, that was me being obedient. Um, But they were these tiny little nudges and just leaning into them. And then fast forward, oh, it was fall of 2019. I was at work and I was serving as a product manager for a software company. And so I would write technical specifications. And so I'm writing this user story, which is just how we're going to solve this problem for this user using software. And I just remember it plain as day. The Lord just laid on my heart in that moment that one day I'm going to use you to write stories for me. So, and it was just, I could not deny that it was God's presence there. And so I just lifted my hands over my keyboard and said, okay, God, if that's what you want, I'll do it. But I know nothing about that. So you're going to have to show me. And I'm, like I said, I'm so driven that normally I'm like, okay, what's the next thing? Like I will start this, but that was so far fetched. It seemed ridiculous. And I didn't even know the next step to take. And so it was just kind of like, if he wants to do this, he's going to make a way. Cause I don't know. So I didn't even take a next step. And then fast forward to and the next spring, it's 2020, it's the cast of quarantine and a uh, relationship had ended. And it was, I was just heartbroken over it. And so, you know, there's no good time to break up, but like a quarantine might be the worst. <laughs> right. And so I just being optimistic had really identified all the things I was going to do to get back to normal. I was going to pour myself into work, pour into church, rowing league would be starting again and a ski trip. And within a day, all those things just fell to the ground. 
And, you know, I was told we were going to be working from home. Normally I would kind of jump at that opportunity, but instead I was like, oh man, that was my escape. And then I get home and the text and the email start flooding in that we're going to be worshiping from home too. Darn. Mm -hmm. And that with work, rowing was connected to work. So now that was canceled. And then I was holding on to the spring break ski trip. But that evening I saw the email come through that the resort was closed. And I remember just sitting on the bar stool in my kitchen and just really empty um, and sad. And um, I felt like God was laying on my heart to write down a prayer. But I was just like, God, I don't think I have anything to say. You know, I trusted you with this and this is where I'm at. But something in me just knew that's what I was supposed to do. I used to journal. I'm falling out of the habit of it. And I went and grabbed just a plain white piece of paper and not, not even the cute journal from the shelf, you know, uh, I didn't think it was going to be anything worth keeping, but I sat down on the couch and I just started writing and the Holy Spirit just met me there and the words just came flooding out of my heart. And so I committed the next 40 days to prayer. I'd always heard about that growing up in church, but I'd never done it myself. And that was a huge breakthrough in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, God healed my heart. Um, and I took at the end of those 40 days, took a Saturday, sat on the back porch and just read through all the prayers, really just to see the journey that God and I had been on together. Mm. Um, and I was amazed that there is this thread that ran all the way through it, prayer and praise and promise. And I was like, wow, you know, God led me to write my first book. And I shared it with a couple of friends whose circumstances were just drastically different than mine to see if it could transcend um, and resonate with them. And when they finished their 40 days and one sent me a video of her just bawling and she said it absolutely wrecked her. And I thought, huh, you know, maybe God could use me this way to offer hope to people through the words he lays on my heart. And then another friend called and said the same thing. And she told me I should start a blog and I just laughed at her. I said, no way. Um, I've always made fun of bloggers. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of weird. And now I know we are weird, but it's (laughs) fascinating. But, you know, so I pretty much wrestled with the idea of starting the blog that whole summer. Um, But it had this deep peace that I would be doing this just as soon as I got over myself. On a flight with a friend, you know, really just journaling down some thoughts, the idea of the good day came to me. And it was really tough because I'd have to get back into the world of social media. I had been off for four and a half years, but um, that September launched the blog. It's just been the most incredible journey. And now I can't see myself doing anything else. Just love the way that you can see the, the way that God sort of threaded things together as you kept stepping out in obedience. So you obviously have a great love for the Lord and you want to do what you believe he wants you to do. When did all that start? Just take us back to the beginning of that faith journey of yours. Did it just happen one day or did you slowly evolve into that? I mean, people are curious, like, okay, she's got faith. How did that get going? There's a gift of desperation. I know I always wanted to avoid the valleys. I spent most of my life trying to. Um, I fourth grade was a pivotal year for me and um, just because of some hard things that my family was going through at the time and I'd grown up in church and I'd seen you know my family host my parents hosted life group in our home and so that was a very natural thing and we talked about our faith we talked about God and so even in that moment though in that storm that really blew in I reached out to God and I would talk to him. And I think it began as childlike faith, 
but it just grew to so much more. You know, God wasn't the now I lay me down to bed prayers. He wasn't the stained glass image at church. You know, he was the God, I need you. I really need you. I knew from a young age that he was going to be the only way my family was going to make it through this storm mm-hmm. together. But at the same time, I knew that what was causing the storm were some poor decisions. And so my mind thought, okay, easy fix. You know, if I can just make all the right decisions, then I can avoid this pain. And so my faith really started out kind of like Super Mario. (laughs) I thought I could run as hard as I could and jump over these game ending valleys. And so that's what I did. And I became really good at it and developed this perfectionist mentality. And God really broke me of that, started to. I mean, it's still something that's my cross. I have to lay down every day. But um, really started breaking me of that. My senior year in high school, I had played club volleyball for 10 years. And I'd worked so hard. I was now, you know, the captain of the team, varsity setter, everything I'd worked towards. And I felt like God was calling me to lay it down. And I didn't understand, you know, I worried, what would people think of me? This is who they know me as, you know, in high school, you, your identity is wrapped up in what you do. And it was really an invitation that I now see that God was inviting me to see my identity in him and trust him in that. And that was the first thing that I was like, really having to surrender. And so again and again, now I've seen that it's always the next breakthrough in my life has come through surrender and, and joy comes through that. I love that, Candace. I mean, honestly, I'm just, I know someone listening is really leaning in to hear what you're saying, because there is a deception of perfection. There is that deception that we can run like Super Mario and skip the valleys and, and think that we are in more control than we are. And it's in that humbling experience, like you have, have experienced over the years, that God can shape us and mold us and, and, um, you know, even prune us down where it feels so ugly, but then we flourish and blossom into this beautiful um, um, being. And, and it's in Christ that we do these things. And so I'm thinking about, um, as you talked about, knowing this even in fourth grade, like you had this knowing. And that's that's been such a great staple. And and praise God that you're raised in a in a home that has a solid foundation. Even though there's, you know, life happens, there's still that solid foundation and, and that has been something that has been good for you all these years. But in the year 2020, a lot of people can relate to what you were going through, feeling alone, ostracized, and dealing with some serious hurts. And the fact that you um, leaned in in that moment and did the hard thing, I think someone else needs to hear that that maybe still hasn't leaned in and done that hard thing that is now blessing others because you stepped in obedience. What would you say to that person if they have not leaned into that hard stuff yet uh, of when we were all isolated and they're still carrying that that nudge, but they haven't followed through, whether it's writing or, or whatever, what would you say to that person so they can create a ripple effect of goodness like you're doing with the good day? Perfection for me, at least what I've learned, it's all about control. It's rooted in control and fear. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really what's holding me back. It's like, well, if I can't be good at it, I can't, if I'm not sure that this is going to succeed, I don't want to even try. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also this fear of what will people think of me? You know, what if, they're going to think I'm a wannabe, you know, and then finally mm-hmm. came to the terms of I am a wannabe. I want 
to be what God wants for me. And I want Amen. to encourage people. And who cares about all the outside noise? If this is what God needs me to do, this is what I want to do. And so um, what I found is it has been the most fulfilling thing in my life. Out trusting God, out on the limb. I don't know what's happening next, but he does. And I've learned to just trust that. And that, that is the space that I now live in. You're efficient in the surrender. Yes. I'm learning now that I don't push back on it. And like, that's been the biggest change. I mean, it's only been going on for two years now. That has been the biggest change is that now instead of like resisting it so much, that's where I lean in. That's where I'm like, okay, let's go. You know, and now the little blog has grown into a podcast and it's continuing to. And I was so afraid that I would run out of stories to tell, but God has just been faithful again and again, and really taking me through this journey of like, you know, lack to where he's just multiplied it. Oh and- yeah. You're, you're not going to run out of stories. Yeah. Especially because you, you, you see purpose in it and you want to share it. I want to go back to something that you said earlier, because it sounded like the first sort of test that you got uh, was in the area of being authentic. Mm-hmm. You shared that story about uh, having to call him back and share some things. What do you think is the, is, is the main maybe hidden pitfall that prevents most people from really wanting to be authentic. Yeah. You know, I would say it comes down to your identity, you know, and being rooted in what, who God says you are. I think what holds us back from being authentic um, is just fear of others. And, you know, I think fear or fear of something, whatever that thing is, I think the enemy, he's, he uses the same tactics that he always has. There's nothing new. He's just really smart at it. Yeah, he knows yeah. how to pinpoint it. And so, um, at least for me, I, fear is something that will hold me back. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, fear, if I ever find myself stuck, you know, or held back, I know it's the voice of fear because faith is what's going to propel us into action. Yes. And so, I can always kind of tell what, what voice am I listening to based on how I'm moving. I like what you said earlier too, uh, because it does come down to this, like, get over yourself. Yeah. Just do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Pride and ego along <clears throat> yeah. with that identity. Well, yeah. and, and wrapped up in fear. You're like, right. I'm right. going to fail or people won't understand me or. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's or right I'll on. be, um, uh, yeah, just pushed out of the, the community, like, oh, ostracized or something because, yeah. I have another question for you because I'm just fascinated by how you wrote that book. Uh, you didn't know you were going to write One a book. prayer at a time. But yeah, I mean, so you started out, you made a decision, I'm going to do 40 days of prayer, correct? Curious about the process, because some people are going to think, oh my gosh, 40 years of, no, or 40, 40, yeah, 40 yeah, days, 40 sounds like 40 should. years of prayer. <laughs> so they're, they're envisioning yeah. you like on your face for hours and hours and fasting. And maybe and she was. Maybe but... you were, but I do want to find out exactly what did you do during those 40 days, because that might up, that might open the door to invite others in to, to maybe this try thing. this very same thing. What did you do? Yeah, no, it wasn't super hardcore. I mean, it was a time of solitude. Um, and I think, but you know, we often, or at least I know I did, I would think of solitude as weakness. Um, and, but I've learned that solitude, you know, makes me remember when Jesus was, he was actually led by the spirit into the wilderness and not to be at his weakest when he was tempted by the enemy, but so that he could be strengthened for his ministry. And that's exactly what God did for me. And so, you know, that solitude now is something that I actually seek. And not that I don't always have the 40 days, you know, the quarantine, 
you know, luxury. I would have never called it a luxury, but now I see it as that it was a gift. Um, but um, I do seek out those moments of solitude, you know, even a morning walk um, to do that. But how, what did that look like for me, those 40 days? Well, I was still working from home. So it was in the middle of my normal life. Um, but I would take time every evening. And the one thing I knew from fasting growing up was that you'd, you know, take away one thing in your life that might be a distraction. And so for me, it was just TV. I just fasted from TV. And it just gave me time. Instead of watching TV, I would write down a prayer. And it was nothing fancy. The whole book is recorded on plain white pieces of paper with a pencil. Like, there's nothing. Um, I then transferred it later. But the whole thing was just one piece of paper after another, you know. And I would sit down just wherever was comfortable. Um, The couch, the love seat, the back porch. I spent a lot of time on the porch. Um, But and just just write whatever was on my heart. And I would really try to be honest with God in those prayers. Um, he already knew my heart, so I knew that, so I could tell him exactly where I was. And, then, and he knew your word was authentic? He <laughs> did. So there was no hiding where I was. Um, yeah. and, and it was just this, it started out as a decision, but it grew to desire. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And so it wasn't, and I also wasn't setting out to write a book. I had yeah. no idea it was going to be a book. I was just yeah. setting out, okay, I'm going to commit to 40 days. And reluctantly, a lot of my story is reluctant, obedient, didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> and I was kind of like, well, I have nothing better to do now. You've taken away <laughs> everything else I would be doing. So but I think it takes go. courage, Candace. I think it takes courage to write down those prayers and be authentic and step into a space that isn't real comfortable for you in the natural. And I think that's the beauty of how um, God can move through us and strengthen us. And so um, the, you know, the good day's purpose is to experience God in the ordinary happenings of our days. And so let's talk a little bit about the ordinary happenings of your days and how you want to bless people through the good days um, of your blog writing and through the podcast of, of just how can people see God in the ordinary? Like we said, my biggest fear was that I was going to run out of stories. And now I'm seeing that I don't because I write stories about the most ordinary things, the breaker going out that turned into a blog post, you know, it's watering the flowers, you know, whatever it is, just the very smallest, small moments running to Sam's, you know, and shopping for diapers with my sister that turned into it's like now I'm just God is really cultivating in me this heart of a noticer. Mm. And I really think that's a spiritual discipline that we neglect is this awareness that that. he is in our midst. And so even the very secular is sacred when he's in it. And, you know, just learning to be aware, learning to be sensitive to his spirit and looking for him, you know, you will find what you look for. Yes. Look for more negativity. Well, we're going to find it. Um, you know, but if we look for God, we're going to find him too. And so really learning to see with new eyes is what it's all about. And so whatever circumstance we're in, you know, we've talked about series of fear. We talk about, um, goodness right now we're doing a summer in the Psalms and just spending just time this whole year. It's been about, Getting into the word five minutes a day. What does that look like? Um, understanding the story is one whole cohesive story. Your your book, your blog, your podcast have so much great purpose and value for 
all of us because we really do need to appreciate uh, what could Every be interpreted moment. as, yeah, just just ordinary and what God can do with the ordinary. Yeah, the mundane. Yeah, I mean, you and I <laughs> prayed this morning <laughs> yeah. when we were doing our quiet time together. Um, just, yeah, God, let's not, you know, ignore or or not notice these things that are going to be somewhat ordinary in our lives today as opportunities to find joy and to praise you. So let me ask you, what's the like the number one resource you go to? <clears throat> Excuse me. Is there anything particular that you say, okay, I'm I mean, obviously the, the Bible. Need, Right, yeah. Yeah. but I'm yeah. feeling the need to kind of lean. It. What, what's is there a resource that you find yourself going to to help you maintain that perspective, that attitude? You know, that's a good question. I would say I don't know if there's necessarily a resource. It's just that I'm constantly trying to fill my mind with truth, and so you know, I still listen to country music. I always will, you know. Awesome. But also being intentional when I'm on a walk to maybe listen to a podcast. Um, maybe spend a few minutes listening to praise and worship music, you know, or ending the day with a hymn, you know, um, surrounding myself with community and friends. And those are the ones that I'm very intentional when I do need to like vent about something, you know, that I'm seeking those friends who I know are going to point me back to Jesus, who are going to call sharpens iron. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so in everything I'm doing, like what resource it's just that it's, I'm being very intentional about what I'm feeling my heart, what what I'm filling my mind with. And it's constantly pointing me back to him, which then I think is causing me to notice him. Mm. I love that variety. It's almost like you got a little menu of resources of the sort of the go-to ones. Yeah. And uh, they they seem to just come to you naturally and you know what to lean into, you know, at the time that you're doing it. So really, I mean, very helpful, very practical. Yeah. I think people are going to lean into this podcast and really take a lot of good, uh, useful nuggets away with them. So thank you, Candace, so much for your time. One last question before we go. Um, I'm just curious, what's one piece of advice that someone has told you that has really stuck to you and you're like, that's how I live my life? I'm not going to go very deep with this one. (laughs) (laughs) The thing that comes to mind is when you were first starting this podcast, you're talking about multitasking. And I just recently got called out on that. And with a a friend who worked, was working out in Arkansas and someone said, you know, the, what's the most dangerous task we do out here. And it's the multitask. The multitask. (laughs) That's something that I'm like, he's right. You know, when we multitask, it's really impossible. That's not something we can do. That is, you know, for instance, like start saying the ABCs, A, B, C. Now start counting backwards from 10, like between each letter. And it's like our brains are not made to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, even with something as simple as alphabet and numbers, you know. It's a great challenge. I'm going to try that later. Oh, you are. <laughs> He's going to try to yeah. master that, Candace. Right, right. <laughs> and so it's, you know, but there's so many better things we could be doing, uh, you know. And so yes. it's just learning to focus in what is priority number one. And that I think that's what I'm doing, even with this journey of writing and balancing all the different things that are really good things in my life, but really recognizing what's my priority right now. What's the role that only I can do. That's what I'm going to focus on right now. And then, you know, delegate. That's so good. No, that's, that's a great way to, to uh, end and wrap up this podcast episode. So thank you so much, Candice, and we appreciate your authenticity and your your efficiency, yet your wisdom and your efficiency in how you're being obedient and following God's prompting. So thanks for being a blessing to our audience and to us. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks. All right. (laughs) Take care. 
Well, we are so grateful that Candace was a part of your biggest breakthrough today. What did you learn? Oh my goodness. She's just so, delightful. She I, is, she's isn't a good she? model for me. Uh, yeah, she is. You know, we're sort of a kindred spirit. I can really relate to a lot of things <laughs> right. that she has gone through. And I've, yeah, I'm just, I'm challenged and I'm encouraged. Yeah. Uh, you good. know, the authenticity part is. You're that's, very authentic. I, you know, I, I think yes, you are. But I think there's always, you know, room, to room for more. improvement. Yeah. yeah just yeah. to go a little bit further in it. And just her um, her willingness to take a look at what would be considered as the ordinary in life, and to get something really valuable out of it. I mean, I, yeah, I, I that's t- an you know opportunity me, for us to do yeah, that every day. Crabbing about the the stuff that seems so ordinary when we want to be out doing great things and got to say, "Hey, whoa, this is the great thing." Yeah, it's You're a good out day. Feeding the birds it's right now. Day. This is good. Yeah. See me in the in the everyday right. mundane ordinary. Yep. Yep. Uh, even going to Costco or Sam's, as she mentioned. So that's so good. Well, we hope this episode blessed you, and we'd love to hear your feedback. Um, so, you know, leave us a comment on YouTube or also a rating and a, a review. That'd be awesome. That wouldn't hurt. No, and share this episode Thank with others. But we appreciate you. God bless, and we'll catch you next time. So glad you could join us today, and you'll find a new episode every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform. And if you've been encouraged by listening or viewing, would you just take a moment and give us a five-star rating and a quick review? That'd be so awesome. Yeah, and also please share this with your friends and loved ones. If you have comments or questions, or if you're looking for an advertising opportunity, please get in touch with us at yourbiggestbreakthrough.com. Or if you'd like to optimize your health and wellness, you can work directly with Wendy. Go to wendypat.com. Or if you're a guy and you're interested in mentoring and coaching, go to toddisburner.com. We look forward to having you join us on our next episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough.